okay, I understand we've put together a plan for while you're living and for your retirement. Do you have a plan put in place for when you pass away? So with my background in the trust division, I've got to say, when I first moved to brokerage, annuities and insurance were kind of a dirty word. I'm a certified financial planner. So when I went through the education and training for that program, I learned a lot more about how it could be more beneficial to a client's overall financial picture. It could really mold into many different goals and suit for more people outside of just the wealthy that are trying to save money on taxes. We track this weekly, so we know how many policy reviews are going into the system, so it allows us to coach on that. The reality is, I think it's a moral responsibility that we all have, and everyone deserves to have the option to protect their family from a financial standpoint. And definitely the policy review. It was an easy, pivotal conversation for the client to be able to ask them while I was doing financial planning, what kind of insurance policies do you have in force? Do you have any? And if you do, when did you buy it? Maybe it's not doing what you want it to be doing anymore. Let's take a peek at it and see if it's still performing or if you need to do something different now. You're never going to be any younger than you are today. From a management perspective, giving it a, that, that steady diet of awareness. We incorporate the, the insurance aspect of our business in all of our meetings. You know, results are, are shared with the team monthly. We know who's doing insurance. In her will, she made sure that anyone who inherits her funds has to work with me. That's awesome. <laughs> so, that, now that is a, a well-developed relationship. So good for you. I'm going to ring the bell for that one. That was good. <laughs> really? When you're in somebody's will, that's, that's impressive. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Stathis Mattel Industry Leadership and Success Podcast Series. This series focuses on industry-leading performance, success stories, and key business intelligence that will help you meet your leadership objectives. And now I'll turn it over to our hosts, Scott Stathis and Bob Mattel. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Stathis Mattel Industry Leadership and Success Podcast Series. I am Scott Stathis. Today's best practices discussion will focus on leveraging the policy review process to enable advisors to do a better job helping clients protect their assets. We've always said that if an advisor is helping clients grow their assets but not protect their assets, they are doing only half their job. Servicing the protection need is a relationship development opportunity and helps significantly in the asset gathering process. So we have a great panel today who leads by example, and they will introduce themselves shortly. But first, let me hand it over to our co-host, Bob Mattel, so he can introduce himself. Bob? Thank you so much, Scott. I am Bob Mattel. I am the co-host of this podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success. And today you will be finding out everything you ever wanted to know about policy reviews. Also, let me just throw it out there that we have two other series, Untangling FinTech, and the BISA Industry Trend Watch, which is our monthly review of industry trends in financial institutions. So let's get out there and meet our panel. Steve, why don't you start out? Sure. Good morning. My name is Steve Campbell. I uh, am the regional sales manager for Fulton Financial Advisors. I've been with the bank uh, a little over 15 years, and I manage a team of 35 financial advisors throughout Pennsylvania, 
Maryland, and Virginia. As a former producer transitioning to sales management, it's been quite a journey and it's put me in a position to be able to work with a, a lot of fine people in the industry. And hopefully I can leverage my experience and insights to help guide them as they go forward. Well, we hope you can and we know you will. And thank you for participating this morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm Sabrina Chilson. I work for the CFS Group, which is the Investment Services Division of Chemung Canal Bank. We have 33 branches covering 12 counties in New York State and one in Pennsylvania. We have a small firm, about five advisors. I have currently been with the bank for about 17 years, but not all of those have been in the brokerage side of the business. I actually started my career working through banking operations and spending a good chunk of it in the wealth management group through our trust division, working with retirement accounts and, and different account relationships. And thank you for joining us from Shemung Canal Trust Company. See, I can say that. We had a bet before we started this that I wasn't going to be able to say that. So hopefully this makes the final cut. Good job, Bob. <laughs> you did very well. <laughs> Let's go to India to introduce herself. Hi, good morning. My name is India Kalman, and I'm a financial advisor with Lakeland Bank. We are a community-based bank throughout the state of New Jersey and some parts of New York as well. I started my career about 13 years ago as a personal banker or relationship banker, and that really uh, taught me how to connect with customers regardless of what the situation was. Eventually, I became licensed and became a financial advisor with Lakeland Bank. Awesome. We are very appreciative of your joining on the panel this morning. You'll be our feet on the street, so we know exactly what's going on at the financial advisor level. So thank you so much. We, As we said, we have a great panel, and I think we're going to get right into it with question one and Scott Stathis. There's Bob's true and, and sports announcer voice right there, huh? <laughs> All right. So the first question, Steve, maybe you can lead us off on this, and then we'd love to hear input from all of you. But the first question I actually implied in the intro, and that is that our belief is that a standardized policy review process can deepen client relationships and increase assets under management, and most importantly, establish you as a true trusted advisor, right? And that's the objective if you're an advisor to be trusted by your clients and manage the majority of their assets. So... Do you agree and do you have client success stories based on you helping them with protection needs and give us a feel for the halo effect that, that you've experienced? I know, Steve, you were an advisor and you're now a manager over advisor, so you can give us insights from your two different perspectives. But does that, what I just described, do you agree with that, that it is a good opportunity to deepen client relationships and increase assets under management, et cetera, Steve? Without question, Scott, that's exactly what it, what occurs. A lot of our advisors came from a path within the bank. And within the bank, you, you really go down a process where it's doing a lot of different services for obvious retention purposes. So if you came up through the consumer bank, you were doing a lot of, it was a closed-end loan, it would lead to a, a line attached to that, it would lead to multiple deposit accounts, et cetera. And it really almost dovetails into what we do today as advisors. So as advisors, and we are fortunate to have a very experienced team of folks that have been doing this for quite some time. And really, it is built into their process. So there's always that situation where do they have something for us to look at, specifically incorporating the policy review? We track this weekly. 
So we know how many policy reviews are going into the system and up to a specific solution for analysis. So it allows us to coach on that. It allows us to identify the activity and obviously some areas where people are very skilled at it and some areas perhaps where there's some development needs. But we, we know as a management team that there are similar needs across our footprint. So without question, we do monitor this. And so the review process is very, very key and it's a value add. So it really goes back to what I was saying where, yes, we're managing some of that client wealth or perhaps most of that client wealth, but we also want to have the, the protectionism, if you will, on a wide scale with that same client. So absolutely, we do subscribe to this and, and we do understand the impact that it can mean to that family. So Steve, you mentioned twice that you monitor the number of policy reviews that are, are being done. And from your position as a manager of advisors, do you see a difference between the business being done by advisors that are doing a lot of policy reviews and those that aren't? And I ask that on a holistic standpoint. For example, do you see advisors that are doing more policy reviews, generally speaking, have a, a, a scenario where they tend to be managing more of their clients' assets? They tend to be more productive advisors overall be, because of the halo effect of helping clients protect their assets? I would say yes. For the most part, our senior, most our largest producers, if you will, are doing the review that we talk about. And that also yields to more insurance production, as well as, yes, typically you are going to see uh, larger books of business, which would imply that they are managing more of the clients. So there's no question there's a relationship there that, that absolutely is true. Yes. Yeah, we've heard We've heard stories of clients who uh, may be working with two, three advisors and there's a death of a loved one in the family and assets are consolidated among the advisor that actually worked with the client to help them with life insurance policies, et cetera. We've heard those types of stories many times. So I'm wondering, Indy and Sabrina, if you've experienced the same, those, any of those types of situations, if you have any success stories and what your thoughts are relative to the importance of helping clients protect their assets and leveraging policy reviews. Sabrina, I see you shaking your head. Are, you've had that experience? I have, definitely. Probably some of my most best clients that I've worked with over the years have gone through some type of a traumatic event, whether it was the loss of a loved one or another family member, and it really caused them to re- reevaluate what they were doing on their own. Uh, a certain couple comes to mind. I'd helped the wife. She had been very ill for a period of time and she eventually passed. I'd met the husband once, like he was very hands-off. She did all the finances. She was an accountant. So when she passed, she had only a small account with me and he had the bulk of the relationship outside of our firm. He, he just didn't know where to go. He, I called him and we talked about the account that she had and he just was not knowing what to do. We started with the policy review. They found out after her passing that the policy that they thought was in place was only accidental. She had been ill for a very long time. And obviously it wasn't an accident when she passed away. So there was no insurance coverage when they thought that they actually had at least a funeral policy in place. So we did a policy review on his existing coverage to see what was actually still in force on him and actually ended up deciding to increase it and move it over to a policy with myself through a 1035 exchange so that way he had more coverage in place to protect his kids if anything happened to him. And then eventually he brought over the rest of his relationship. 
That was just what I was going to ask you. It's inevitable that usually happens, right? So good for you. India, You have you had similar experiences? I, I have. And honestly, it's not always that a life insurance sale is made at that point. Honestly, it's just really bringing focus to the fact that you're interested in the client's financial well-being, as well as the protection of their loved ones. One example I can think of is a client of mine that actually followed me pretty much everywhere I've, I've been. She and her husband did not have any children. They don't have huge families. They had like a small life insurance policy years ago, and we reviewed it. Of course, there were no significant findings, and they were also over 70. So realistically, I didn't think there would be a, a sale at the, the end of it. But it was really, as you said before, value add. And once we did that, we pretty much opened the door for legacy planning, just that whole conversation and the tax efficiency of life insurance and wealth transfer products. So we ended up doing some additional business, but the biggest part, or I, I guess I should say win in that interaction was that the client trusted me so much. She actually told me that in her will, she made sure that anyone who, and her wishes are anyone who inherits her funds have to work with me. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was great. That that now that is a a well developed relationship. So <laughs> good for you. We're gonna you, ring the bell when, for that one. That was good. <laughs> really, when you're in somebody's will, that's that's impressive. And and India, if I recall correctly, one of the reasons why you got promoted from a licensed banker to an advisor is because you did such a good job with life insurance and helping clients protect their assets as a licensed banker. Do I have that right? That's correct. As a licensed banker, of course, you're dealing with day-to-day transactions as well. So not every client, and in fact, most clients that come into the bank on a day-to-day basis, they um, don't necessarily have higher net worth. But the reality is, I think it's a moral responsibility that we all have. And everyone um, deserves to have the option to protect their family from a financial standpoint, if anything were to happen to them. So I really just spoke to anyone, regardless of what the size of their assets look like. You just said something that I'm going to use, and that is that it's a moral responsibility. I, I think that's really well put because I truly believe that. So that might just make the highlight real. <laughs> All right, Bob, why don't I pass it back to you for the next question? That sounds good. So I have an earth-shattering opening statement for this next question. (laughs) Most advisors don't do a good job of talking to their, talking about protection needs or appreciating the benefits of doing so. What a surprise. But not for this panel. We have a feeling that you all on this panel do, because you understand what the six core needs are. And you might describe the six core needs that everyone has, as I do. Protection, wealth transfer, income later, income now, savings and credit last. Some people flip it the other way, but I know this panel. So was this always the case or did you have an aha moment that inspired you to do so? It seems so simple. Let's do a policy review. 
Sabrina, why don't you take this one first? Sure thing. So with my background in the trust division, I've got to say, when I first moved to brokerage, annuities and insurance were kind of a dirty word. I don't know. There, a lot of the insurance industry in that world has gotten a, a bad rap uh, for various reasons, and everybody has their own. And I'm sure you've run into situations where you've come across a client who, as soon as you start to open your mouth about insurance or something with an insurance company, a lot of people shut down. So it's definitely not always been easy for me to adopt the idea of life insurance and annuities. But my background also, I'm a certified financial planner. So when I went through the education and training for that program, I learned a lot more about how it could be more beneficial to a client's overall financial picture and really finding ways to have tax savings or protect their loved ones, that it could really mold into many different goals and suit for more people outside of just the wealthy that are trying to save money on taxes. It's good for people who have all different shapes and sizes of their assets and net worth. Another part of that was when I started to get into insurance, it wasn't always easy through my broker dealer to be able to write the policy. I've only been writing insurance probably for about five years out of my career. And when I first tried to learn, it was hard to find a partner to actually help teach me about the huge universe of different offerings that are out there to be able to figure out what products and services are best for my clients. I think my aha moment was when we were became part of Specific Solutions and they rolled out the app solution where they actually helped you figure out how to fill out the application. They'd do it for you. They'd have an interview with your client for you. That way I didn't have to worry about what line or box that I used. And definitely the policy review. It was an easy, pivotal conversation for the client to be able to ask them while I was doing financial planning, what kind of insurance policies do you have in force? Do you have any? And if you do, when did you buy it? Maybe it's not doing what you want it to be doing anymore. Let's take a a peek at it. No cost value add and see if it's still performing or if you need to do something different now, you're never going to be any younger than you are today. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a simple question. What do you have? You know, one of the things that we've also found through a lot of our conversations is we're morphing away from the use of the word insurance and talking more about protection. Because it's protect and grow or grow and protect. And, we, you know, people shy away from that insurance word. But so when we talk about protection, it completely changes the conversation. It sounds like that's what you've been doing. Absolutely. India, what are your comments on this whole aha moment? What was it for you? It actually happened when I was at work, just a regular day, and the branch was a little slow. And I had a coworker just having light conversation. And I just happened to ask her if she had any life insurance. And her answer was no. And the reason my mind was blown is because I knew her personal circumstance. She was a a single mom of of three children and she was going through a a bad divorce. So she was really it for her family. And in talking to her, I realized that the reason was she had the misconception that it was unaffordable and just too expensive. And it was another thing she couldn't handle. So just in, in speaking to her, I educated her a little more. I just ran some quotes for her. And when she realized that it was nowhere near as expensive as she thought it was, we were able to get it uh, set in place for her. And this was years ago, but to this day, we still have conversations about it. And she always really just says how thankful she is because it was something she often uh, lost sleep at night about. And so I think that's part of our jobs too. It just really starts with the education process. I think I read a statistic 
um, recently over 80% of consumers think that life insurance is more expensive than it actually is. And I think this whole pandemic really has forced it into conversation and people are realizing we're not, you know, invincible as we, we think we, we are. And death has hit a lot of our families and we've all been affected personally in some way, shape or form by this pandemic. So I would say really that was it for me when it happened and I wasn't even prepared for it. You know, that, that's absolutely a, a, a great tidbit that every one of our listeners should be understanding. It's you have to ask those questions and it's the whole education process. Incidentally, in 2021, more life insurance was sold since 1983. So the, that's a limer stat. That's a, that's a fact. So the pandemic has definitely raised the bar in terms of customers wanting that information. So India, it sounds like you've been doing that through the education process and just asking a couple extra questions. Right. Steve, why don't you take us home on this question? Did you have an aha moment? either as an advisor or as a manager? Sure. I I would just say that at the program level, okay, with our program, we have been working on this with a little bit higher intensity, I would say for about five plus years. And I think our results show. Certainly have room for improvement and growth, and we view it that way, but we have seen some results that are now material. And really just giving it from a management perspective, giving it a, that, that steady diet of awareness. We incorporate the, the insurance aspect of our business in all of our meetings, our offsites, our team calls. So it can be a large group, medium-sized group, small group, or even one-on-one. But the testimonials from top advisors on specific cases, we heard uh, a few earlier, and, and we do the same thing in our shop. You know, results are, are shared with the team monthly. We know who's doing insurance. You know, an aha moment for an advisor might be, I'm, I, I get calls, hey, what is so-and-so doing? How are they doing this? They, they're doing this every month, and, and they're showing results. And, and so that really does open up the door for some of the one-on-one coaching that hopefully I provide, and, and it fills in the gaps. And it allows me to tailor the discussion based on the advisor's individual situation as it relates to their insurance activity and results. You know, is this somebody that just has not given it the attention? Is it somebody that's tried and been discouraged because maybe they had a couple of turndowns and they, they just they get frustrated? Um, we do joint visits with our team from Specific Solutions. AJ Long and I were recently out on a call with two advisors that I thought made sense for him to meet individually versus a Zoom call. This was a personal appointment and, and it was great to be able to do it coming out of COVID and it really can be very impactful. And really just in summation, there's always been that issue about the process, the cumbersome nature of insurance. That has really improved dramatically. There's no doubt about that. And that is impactful. So again, it takes away some of those hurdles. So I think in summation, all these things have really helped expand our horizons and our results. I think you, you bring a, a great point there. Process has been an excuse. It really is not an excuse. India before said price is an excuse. It's not really an excuse. And finally, if you don't track it, it's not going to happen. So I think that's an important part of this whole conversation as well. Track it and don't accept the excuses. And it's so simple just to ask a couple of questions, which I have a question about later. But until we get to that, we're passing it to Mr. Stathis. All right. And so, Steve, you just mentioned process. So let's talk about process, because one of the things that we've said on our podcasts fairly frequently is that uh, if you're an advisor 
or even if you're a program that's offering investments and insurance through a bank or credit union, you have to be able to answer the question, what is your product? And to keep this as short and simple as possible, our contention is that your product has nothing to do with, or I should say, your products are not what you're selling, meaning life insurance policies, annuities, advisory accounts, whatever it is, that's not your product. Those are somebody else's products. Your product very specifically is your process, that process by which your clients experience you. That will either make or break you. So that is your product. That is your only differentiator. So process is incredibly important. So the question is, how do you build policy reviews into your process, the process you use as an advisor or as a program to work with your clients? How does that become a natural part of your process? And I'll throw that out there. I think, Sabrina, are you the one that's queued up for this one? If not, India. All right, India. <laughs> okay. I try my best not to be transactional in, in my interactions with my clients. And it's really about the relationship building. So for me, you hit the, the nail on the head when you said natural, right? So I make it a very routine part of all of my financial reviews. I think the sort of comes with is what the comes with process or mindset is what I use. It works in every other industry. Why not this? I remember a while back, someone gave me an example of when you purchase a TV and they say it's $1,000 and then you get to the register and they'll say, now that you've done this, would you like to add the protection plan? And then most people say no, versus if they said from the beginning, it's $1,200, which also comes with the protection plan you'll likely get better results that way. So I literally build it into my financial reviews with clients. So we're already asking them the most personal um, questions. What is one or two more sheets of paper? So if I'm asking for investment statements, bank account statements, I'm also asking that they provide me with their life insurance statement. If they are unable to find them, and that's happened. One great thing about specific solutions is their process is very easy. The quick sheet. And we have several reference pieces if they don't know or remember the policy number. Uh, they provide us with resources with all of the contact uh, phone numbers for the companies. So it doesn't really get much easier than that. I think it's when we make it more complicated than it needs to be that people are less likely to do it. So it comes with for me. Nice. Steve, Sabrina, do you have thoughts relative to how you're building policy reviews into the the process? Piggybacking on India, I feel the same way. So when I'm having a, a financial discussion about a person's overall financial picture, we do, we're asking the most personal information questions that we can, just because we need to know all of the information to be able to look at it holistically to see where there's gaps. I, a lot of times will bring it up when I get to the protection category and say, do you currently have any life insurance in place. I heard one of your goals early on in our discussion was to make sure that my family is protected or to make sure that I have the money to pay for my funeral. And I kind of piggyback on the goals that they bring up earlier on in the discussion to see what do they have already. And if they do have something, then I bring up the policy review. Hey, did you know we could look at your existing policy and just make sure that it's going to do what you want it to do when you get to that part of your life. If they don't have any life insurance in place, I bring it back up later on to be able to see, you know, what makes sense, how much coverage would we need and, and go from there to make sure that they meet their goals. 
You know, what's interesting is that Bob was mentioning excuses before, and we hear them all the time. One of the excuses is that the, the life insurance discussion is, it really isn't, but the perception is that it's hard. And, and what I mean by that is if you build it into your process as a natural part of the discussion, there's nothing really hard about it. You, you may think it's hard before you try doing it, but try it a couple times and it becomes natural. It becomes almost, why haven't I been doing that all along? Because A, it's a natural part of the discussion. B, it's important. C, I get some really good response from my clients and it does build trust. So this whole concept of it being hard is only, it's artificial. It's in a lot of advisors' head heads. Once they start doing it, it really is not hard. It's, it's, it's very natural. And it becomes part of the process that you almost can't do without if you're doing it correctly. Steve, let me give you a chance to provide your thoughts on that question as well. Any additional thoughts on that? I would, I would say one aspect that, which is interesting still, is the awareness, right? The awareness to the client that we offer protection solutions. We've all heard in our channels that, you know, the whole concept, I didn't know you had investments. We, we still hear that occasionally, not as often as we, we used to. And I think insurance solutions come right behind that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know you, you did that. So if the client doesn't know it and the advisor doesn't have a process built into their daily routines, it's not going to happen. They're not going to ask us about it because what they don't think they don't know we have insurance products. They don't know we deal with some of the leading insurance carriers throughout the country. They wouldn't know to ask. I, th- I think building the awareness around it, it goes right back to the advisors in terms of do you have a policy review process? Yeah, I, I agree. So I, it, a related question is one that that Bob would like to ask. So we started down this path of building it into your process, but specific examples are good, right? I implied that advisors think it's difficult, it being the discussion. But once you have the right discovery questions and they're comfortable and natural, it, it, it is not difficult. Bob, I think that's the question you have, right? Yeah, exactly. And we've probably covered a lot of this already because we've been focusing on, obviously, let's do a policy review. But there's probably other questions that our listeners would enjoy hearing. What does the protection part of your discovery process sound like? What icebreakers do you have that FAs have find, have found successful? Are there key questions other than the obvious? Steve, why don't you take us out uh, on this one? I, I think in, in having discussions with our advisors that are very active in this, the one uniform piece is that they have a standard interview, profiling, whatever you want to call it, approach. specifically. They're going to ask questions about financial assets, liabilities, real estate, insurance, income sources, family. Is there a POA? Is there a son or daughter? Those broad items will get to the specifics and, and during this process. And the comprehensive review provides all this necessary information to analyze that client's objectives that are somewhat obvious to them. But in addition, there are some that are not obvious to the client, and that's where the insurance aspect comes in. Okay, so the advisors, they have to understand who's in front of them. Is it a single person? Is it a couple? Is it a situation with a second spouse? Everything's different, but we want to get to the same place. So it really does get back to the repeatable process, tailoring the questions. For example, 
if you have a married couple, I've heard this situation many times. What if there's a significant pension income from one of them, one of those spouses, and that spouse passes? What happens? Did you get 100%, 50%, none of it? Is there any debt you know, on the balance sheet? What happens if that significant other passes? Those are specific drill-down questions that really open things up. And it's how you ask, how you get to that point. I, we have two, a team of advisors that do a, they're constantly on the top of the list in terms of producing in the insurance business. And they just right get into it. What, let's talk about long-term care. What is your plan? Okay. And then often this is a really, this is a multiple meeting approach because there is going to be, if they have some, uh, a policy in place, we're going to do the review. And then there's going to be some summarizing of the details. And then there's going to be a get together next week. And there's going to be a more specifics for their consideration. So it really is all those things as part of it. And, and lastly, being part of a bank, we often see low yielding assets that could be more useful and better positioned. And it's all about what I said earlier, the educational aspect, because clients simply don't know what's available. They just don't. And it's our job to educate them and to guide them to, to making the right solution for their specific family situation. You bring out a lot of good points. And it's really about almost the same questions, but it's what you do with the answers. You can either go down a financial planning exercise or an investment planning exercise. And we all know that a financial plan without a protection component is purely an investment plan. So it's what you do with that information that you're asking about. I, I love the question about long-term care. Because quite often you hear is, oh, I'm self-insuring. I'm like, I'd like to go back and ask that question again. Do you really know what self-insuring is all about with long-term care? Do you really want to self-insure $150,000 a year for a long-term care facility? No, you really don't want to self-insure. But it's asking the secondary question to really drill down and find out what that customer is really, do, do they understand? It's education. Absolutely. Uh, India, help me out with some more on this. I totally agree with what you said. I think that for me, with my in, inside my profiling process as well, I usually insert this conversation when we get to the family part. Are, are you married? Do you have children? That sort of thing that just comes up naturally in the conversation. And once they get to that's when I'll mention, I think it's best that we focus on protection. But of course, you you will often get the, oh, they'll get plenty. <laughs> right? they, they, have, they have plenty. And then from there, I'll usually say, I understand that, but I'll make a statement and tell me if you agree or disagree. Do you agree that we should focus on leaving as much to them as possible and as less to the IRS? And I've never had someone say, no, I'd rather leave more to the IRS. <laughs> so um, people think it's just about, it's not just the income replacement. It's not just, will they have money in the bank or be able to pay off their mortgage? The reality is, if you have a set amount that you'd like to see them inherit, there's a lot of things that can go with that. And if we, they may not necessarily understand the tax efficiency piece of life insurance or even in, you know, long-term care compared to, as, as you said, self, quote unquote, self-insurance. Exactly. It's, only, it's the education process. And that's our jobs as trusted advisors to really do a good job in educating clients.
Sabrina, do you have any thoughts? Honestly, I, I don't think I can add anything to what my other two panelists have said. They, they nailed it on the head. It's all about education and, and really helping the clients understand the true benefit of adding protection into their plan. You know, how much money do you want your beneficiaries to keep? Like India said, a lot of people don't understand that their retirement assets, their pre-tax 401ks and so forth will be taxable to their beneficiaries. And now with the way the rules have changed, they only have 10 years in a lot of cases to pay all the taxes. It's definitely a game changer. Absolutely. And here's where all listeners should just rewind the last four minutes and re-listen to those top uh, questions in terms of how to really get into the protection conversation. And then pause and listen to what Scott has for the next question. The next question I think we answered. So I have another one. So the question we were going to ask you guys is, do, do you find the life insurance part of the discussions with clients difficult? And I think it's obvious that you don't, and we've discussed that. Let me let me mention something that I think will be helpful to our listeners and then read something to you, and then I'd like to get your reactions to that. The thing that I think would be helpful is that many of you listening know that Bob and I have started the Financial Institution Insurance Council, FIIC, and that is a collaborative effort with the ABA, American Bankers Association, and the North Carolina Bankers Association to help our channel increase their ability to service protection needs. As part of that, we're developing tools and resources for advisors to use. One of the first things we released is uh, what we call a protection needs discovery guide that has some built-in discovery questions, et cetera. I'm not going to read through all those questions, but I will. The opening statement, because one of the things uh, that, and, and this is a statement to our panelists, one of the things that we like to achieve with these podcasts is to enable anybody listening to do not only to do a better job, but to find it easier to do what we're talking about in these discussions. So uh, if an advisor listening or a manager listening knows that their advisors are having a tough time getting into the discovery discussion, the one thing we can provide is maybe an opening statement for them to think about that helps them lead into that, right? So the discovery guide has a suggested opening statement that you can customize uh, however you'd like, but it's a good kind of a framework. And I want to read to you that opening statement focused on getting into the, the, the protection discussion. And I'd like to get your, all three of you, your inputs relative to, is this similar to what you do or do you have other suggestions? So the opening statement on this FIIC discovery guide is this. So as your financial advisor, my job is not only to help you grow your assets, but also help you protect your assets. If I'm not doing that second part, I'm only doing half my job. What I'd like to do now, if it's okay with you, is to ask some questions related to asset protection. So protection is a need that is often neglected, but very important. We help our clients protect their families and assets against loss of income streams in the event of the passing of a primary source of income, for example. So this type of protection includes coverage for personal risk exposure, like repayment of debts after death, providing for a surviving spouse and children, continuing continuing the ability to fulfill other economic goals and responsibilities, such as paying for mortgage, college tuition, paying for funeral expenses, et cetera. Other types of protection include protecting against disability, high long-term care costs, personal property, et cetera. So let's discuss whether and how your assets are currently protected. Okay, so that was what, six sentences roughly, but I think sets it right up. Is that similar at all to the opening statements that you might make? Or do you have any thoughts and suggestions in that regard? And I'm just throwing it out there to any of you that want to comment about. Yes, I think 
as well. That's a great starting point because I think we all need that when we don't have one. And that's when I think the, the conversation can be most difficult. For me, I try to really get the client to speak as, as much as possible. So I try to focus on open-ended questions. Might say to the client some, something to the degree, okay, I understand we've put together a plan um, in place for while you're living and through your retirement. Do you have a plan put in place for when you pass away? And then a lot of times they, they may say no. And then it's, if they say no, that makes it easier for me. But even if they say, yes, I do, and I'll just say, okay, tell me what that plan looks like. And then as they start talking, I start gathering the information. And then from there, we can see where all the holes in that plan are. Yeah, no, I like that. No, so I keep it simple. Yeah, no, that's a hey, simple as Simple is always better. Mine's probably too complicated. <laughs> That's good, Sabrina. Depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I usually start my process with goals. Like India said, I, I really want the client to talk as much as possible. I'm merely the listener, especially in the first few discovery meetings that I have. I usually try to listen to what are they, what are they trying to accomplish when they come in the door? And then from there, branch off and start to collect all of the facts, including what is their family structure? Do they have any protection in place already? You know, maybe they mentioned that they have young children. You know, what I might ask them, what would happen if something, you know, happened to you? If you weren't here tomorrow, who would take care of your kids? You know, what type of financial scenario would you, do you already have in place to be able to make sure that they're okay and they're taken care of? That also leads into some estate planning. Do you have a will? Did you, do you know you need to document your wishes in the will for who is the guardian of the children? Those types of conversations really to use the client's goals to jump off into the different areas. And then if they don't bring it up and I look back through our notes to see what has already been discussed and what they brought up throughout and maybe touch points of what they brought up throughout our conversation, I bring it up at that point and ask them, do you already have any protection in place to cover your final expenses? Obviously, everybody's going to go someday. It's definitely an expense that they're, they usually have a story where their mother, their brother, their, kid, their cousin, their sister, somebody has passed away and they didn't have proper protection in place in order to cover those expenses. And a family member or multiple family members had to shoulder the burden of the cost. So all good stuff. And I think we've covered a lot of ground here. I have a few additional thoughts, but first, I think we may have a fun lightning round question, Bob. Is that right? The bell. The bell. It is the lightning round. Yes, we do have a lightning round question. And here we go. So you all have great, successful careers in financial services. All right. Which is great. And we've covered all that. But if you didn't have this successful career, what would you be doing? I'll start out and say, I would be a radio DJ. Because I love the bell. I love the sound effects. I don't, I don't know if you can hear that sound effect. So I'd be a DJ on the radio. I would try to convince Scott to do that. It would be Scott and Bob in the morning. Steve, what would you it sounds do? Like, sounds like you have a bunch of toys sitting around you on your desk there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Steve. Steve. I would like to be, and maybe there's still time, a character actor. I'd like to be involved in mystery and drama movies, get you out to exotic sites. Hey, we're going to film one location in Brazil or wherever, and not maybe not Indiana Jones, but something like that. Just be a part of the cast. Not the, my, my ego's not there where I'm thinking about being a star, just being like a character actor. 
I love That's it. Cool. I love it. Sabrina. I've always wanted to work with animals. My dream job would actually be to work in a zoo, doing animal enrichment, making their lives a little bit better while they live in captivity and do some training on the side. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, that's a great career. India. I would probably be like a television talk show host. Okay. I like just the whole idea of connecting with different people from different walks of life. Maybe not so much the fame part, but they do well financially too. So I'll take that. that I think that's great. I, that's, that's also what I would like to do. That's why I love doing these, these podcasts. And now. What was that? <laughs> That, that was a drum roll for Scott. Oh, that was a drum roll. Okay. Hey, so Sabrina, we can uh, we can help you launch your own podcast if you want to be a podcast host. <laughs> we can do that. That's Sabrina, India. <laughs> you can both do it. You can be co-hosts. Me, I think there are some people listening who will know my answer right off the bat. Bob, I know you will know my answer right off the bat, but I'd be a drummer in a rock band. <laughs> there you go. That's what that sound effect was supposed to be. <laughs> the drum roll. Yeah, I would revisit something I did in my youth and still do once in a while. But yeah, that would that would be my career choice. That's a little different from what I'm doing. So, hey, cool. So listen, great stuff, everybody. And thanks for all your thoughts and your input. I think there's some valuable guidance that you provided to our listeners. There are a couple of um, things that I'd like to reinforce. One is I mentioned the FIIC, Financial Institution Insurance Council, and, and the Discovery Guide. For anybody interested in the FIIC and getting a copy of the Protection Needs Discovery Guide, which includes discovery questions, just contact us and we can fill you in on that and share that with you. The other thing that's important to note is that we have, in working with Specific Solutions, who sponsored this podcast, we have worked with them to extract the policy review process and offer it as a standalone service through Stathis Mattel with specific solutions helping us in the background. So it dramatically simplifies your ability if you're running a program or if you're an advisor, simplifies your ability to have a turnkey policy review process in place. So that's the other thing. If you have an interest in that, you should contact us about. With that said, Bob, let me turn it back to you for closing comments. Absolutely. And thank you. Thanks again to our panel, India, Sabrina, Steve. Thank you so much. Policy reviews, simple, easy, and all you have to do is ask. That's what we hope we shared with you today. Rewind this podcast. Listen to it over and over again until your insurance revenue reaches industry best practices. Thank you for listening and listen to all of our other podcasts, Untangling FinTech and the BISA Industry Trend Watch. You can get them all wherever you get your other podcasts. Wait a minute, you don't listen to other podcasts? Well, you should. With that, have a great day. Enjoy. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott. (laughs) Bye, everybody, and thanks for listening, and thanks again to the panelists. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Industry Leadership and Success. We hope you found the discussion enjoyable and valuable. Also, don't forget to check out our two other podcast series, Untangling FinTech and BISA Industry Trend Watch. Please subscribe to our podcast and join us again for future episodes.